Happy Sunday, everybody. This is Angela Bowen, the host of Together We're Gonna Find Our Way on an official Silver Spoons podcast. How's everyone doing this nice and 20-something degree morning? Well, it's 26 degrees where I'm at right now. and It's like, it's the last official day of March. Tomorrow's April 1st. I know it's April Fool's. But I've lived in this state long enough to know that you can still get snow in April. I was in high school spring break my junior year. It snowed. We had a snowstorm. We even lost power. So, as you know, I've started a new podcast venture called Oh My Lanta Holy Chalupas. An unofficial full house slash fuller house podcast. And I'm really excited about this venture because I grew up watching Full House and I love Fuller House. I think they're both amazing, great shows, and I look forward to covering certain episodes and stuff. Am I going to go through every single episode? Who knows? Maybe I might down down the road as I go along, but for the time being, I'll hit the themes I want to hit and stuff like that. But, um... I'm really happy you guys are coming along on the journey. I think what I'm going to do, I have not submitted it to iTunes yet. I think I want to get a couple episodes up and ready to go. I have the SoundCloud account created. I just have to put the introduction episode on that and everything. So, um, But today, I'm going to be talking about the Silver Spoons show. Because this is a Silver Spoons podcast. And as you know, for the month of April and the first half of May, I am going to be doing two Silver Spoons episodes a week to get through uh, Season 2. It's kind of, I did that a little bit with Season 2 of Punky Brewster, so. I just gotta say, hopefully this episode's a smidge better than the last one. The last one was okay, it just was a lot of Ricky complaining about his dad and grandpa and Kate fighting for the whole episode. It, it, It just got to be a little much. Like, I'm over it. <laughs> so, season two, episode nine, entitled Sounds of Silence. Ricky is frustrated by his lack of improvement as a musician in the school orchestra because we know from season one he was playing the bassoon. And he really wasn't that good at it. But then again, what kid really isn't when they first pick up an instrument for the first time? And after a disastrous humiliation at their concert, he turns to Edward for advice on how to reach his goals. Well, that's good. I like that Ricky has goals. That is very important. I like this version of Ricky. I know in another season or so, like maybe by season four, we have teenage Rick, who's like 15 years old. All of that stuff that he kind of was in the first couple seasons, like he is now, that kind of goes away because, you know, in a way he was a more of a preteen, and then now he's got all these other things. He's really into girls. He's really into getting his license, learning to drive, hanging out with the guys, apparently creating a who's hot, who's hot, or who's hot, who's not list. I think that was, like, in the last season. At one point, he even sports a mini mullet. Ugh. I don't like mullets long or short. 
But then again, no one's asking me to grow a mullet, so... <laughs> Alright, let's see what we got. This has got a 7.6 out of 10, based on 18 ratings. We get the return of Derek Taylor. You guys know, season 2, I think it's episode 15. Derek is out the door, he's done. Jason Bateman's gonna go on and be in Hogan Family. And another show, I think it's called It's Your Move? And if you guys have not seen Jason Bateman as Sean in the Mr. Belvedere episode, think of creepy Derek Taylor times 10. Because he not only hits on Marsha Owens, he full-on plants a kiss on her without her consent. This episode, of course, like most of the episodes, was directed by Jack Shea. Writers, the creator David W. Ducklin, Ron Levitt, Michael G. Moy, written by Danny Callis, creator Ben Starr, creator Martin Cohen, and Howard Leeds, who also went on to make Small Wonder. And I'm kind of wondering, I'm kind of thinking, Phoebe, we got introduced to Phoebe in uh, the episode before the Happy Birthday episode, and I'm thinking, hmm... Could that Fubi have inspired the in, inspired the idea for Vicky the robot? I wonder. I really, really wonder. Maybe it did. Maybe. All right. Oh, we get a soundtrack here. I can't pronounce it. Athlete. A T H A L I E. It's. Uh, I think it is a. This is purely classical. But my favorite guys. Love it. Love the Disney short. Peter and the Wolf. I love it. I loved that little movie. I saw it back in like fourth grade and was completely won over with little Peter and the duck and the other animals. I can't remember them at the moment, but I know there's a duck in it in the cartoon. There might be. I think there's a cat. There's a cat, a duck and a cat, and then, of course, they're being followed by that wolf. I want to watch that sometime. This episode was uh, originally aired on December 17th, 1983. So we are getting close, close, close. Actually, guys, this is the last episode of 1983. The episode after that, Rick the Greek, that is in January of 1984. Now, uh, quickly, I want to say thank you all for listening to the podcast. That makes me happy. And there are ways you can follow along with the podcast. You can do so at the Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster podcast. And the Together We're Gonna Find Our Way, an unofficial Silver Spoons podcast. They're both pages are on Facebook. And Instagram, Silver Spoons podcast and punky power pb podcast on both on instagram if you guys want to shoot me an email about either show you can go to punky power pb podcast at gmail.com or silver spoons podcast at gmail.com now i want to talk about a couple books i just started reading with the new podcast ventures i haven't really had a lot of time to really sit down and read but this one i'm reading right now here is a library book, so I kind of got to get on that. It's called Amina's Voice by Henna, is it Chan? K-H-A-N, Chan, I think. If it's not, I, I apologize. 
And I just really started this book, and it's really, really good. It's short. It's only 208 pages. It is available as an audiobook. I, however, am listening to it. I, however, am reading it, physically reading it with my hands and my fingers and my eyeballs. Um, so here's the description. Amina has never been comfortable in the spotlight. She is happy just hanging out with her best friend, Sujin? Sujin? S-O-O-J-N. Except now that she's in middle school, everything feels different. Guys, middle school is where it all changes. The friends you have in junior uh, in elementary school may not be the friends that you continue to have throughout junior high and high school. It's just things happen. You start to break off into little cliques. You form your interests and everything like that. So Jen is suddenly hanging out with Emily, one of the cool girls in the class, and even talking about changing her name to something more American. This is because her parents and her are finally becoming American citizens. And her parents are changing their names. And Sujin is thinking of changing her name as well. Which, you know, that's their right and their want. If they want to do that, then that's up to them. But Amina is really clinging to her ways, her traditions of her family and everything like that. So with everything changing with her friend, Amina kind of feels like, where do I fit in in all of this? It feels like Sujin is on the fast track making new friends, making changes about how she lives her life. And Amina kind of feels stuck in the past. Does Amina need to start changing too? That's what she kind of wonders. Or hiding who she is to fit in. While Amina grapples with these questions, she is devastated when her local, I can't pronounce, mosque, M-O-S-Q-U-E, is vandalized. So is that like that like um, a temple or a place that um, they go to for re- religious practices and worshipping and stuff like that? Kind of almost like a church, right? But I really, really enjoyed the book. Um, I also just started another book. Because, you know me, guys. I can't, apparently, read one book at a time. I have to read more than one. And this book here is actually by an author, Barbara D. I have read one of her other books. I also have her newest book, but I haven't read it yet. And she's got another book coming out this year. Barbara D. is a middle grade author. Halfway normal. And I, like I said, I'm like maybe three chapters into this book. It's really good. A cancer survivor must readjust to normal middle school life in the hopeful novel from the author of Starcrossed and Truth or Dare. Nora Levy has just completed two years of treatment for leukemia and is ready to go back to, quote unquote, the real world of middle school. The hospital social worker warns her the transition may be tricky. See, she's just... I just started where she, boom, she's right back in school. It's first day for her. She's got her class schedule. The kids, the teachers, the principal, the guidance counselor are all handling her with kid gloves. You know what I mean, right? Like, she's very, like, breakable. Like, a, a vase or a little ceramic cat or something. Like, she's going to break. And she just wants to be treated like just, no one will say the word. They won't call it cancer. They'll say your illness. And in her head, she's just screaming, call it cancer. Just say what it is. I had cancer. So she's just, and 
you know, the prince was like, anytime you need to come in and lay down, like you got a headache or you don't feel well, the office is yours to use it whenever you want to. And it's just, it's like, she doesn't want to be treated special. She knows she went through this whole ordeal. She even has the chance to skip into the eighth grade for some classes, like I think math and science. And Nora's just like, no, I want to be with my friends. A lot of the time during the two years, she had a tutor, so she is way ahead of her uh, seventh grade class. So, so I'm not going to read any more of the description, because like I said, I just started reading it, and I feel these are going to lead to spoilers, and I don't want to ruin the book for me. So, but I'll have to see, this book might be available as an audiobook, but then again, it might not be. Alright, right off the bat, like I started doing in the last episode, I'm going to keep this up. Giving a shout out early to the podcast listeners, so that way I don't forget towards the end. I, I really want to thank you guys for listening to this podcast. Santa Ana, California. Excuse me. Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Reno, Nevada. Los Angeles, California. Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Germantown, Tennessee. Portage, Wisconsin. Elmhurst, Illinois. Charlotte, North Carolina, Farmington, Missouri, Staten Island, New York, San Francisco, California, Keswick, Canada, Seattle, Washington, Racine, R-A-C-I-N, Wisconsin, Lynn, Massachusetts, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Wilmington, Ohio, Sweden, Fairmont, West Virginia, Carson City, Nevada, Glasgow, United Kingdom, Brazil, Romania, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Phoenix, Arizona, Bradenton, Florida, New York, New York, Bishop, California, Australia, Edmonton, Canada, and France, and Hiroshima, Japan. Thank you all for listening. So I've been getting quite a bit of likes for the Punky Power page, and I just want to shout out some names real quick. Tina Voigt, Tina Moore, Elizabeth Hanford, John W. Millen Jr., Jackie Vincent. I'm just going to start just reading the first names. Alright, so we got Crystal, Jessica, Jody, Jamie, Mariah, Tennille, Alice, Jillian, Gabby, Wanda, Pam, Sarah, David, Michaela, Sherry, Nick, Clisfly, Pam, Lisa, Tanya, Jennifer, Scott, David, Brittany, Tanya, Chris, Shannon, Sammy, Angel, Lisa, Kathy, Brian, Gabriel, or Gabriel, Teresa, Scott, Shirley, uh, Robert, Dylan, Bo, Della, Camille, Marion. So that is just, um, like I said, I've been getting a lot of follows, and guys, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. So, as I like to do now... Is I'm getting all of this kind of out of the way, and then that way I'll pop up the theme song. You'll know everything before the theme song is going to be either what I'm doing, if I'm listening to something, if I'm reading something. Like today, Jeremy and I are going to go see Dumbo this afternoon, and I'm really looking forward to it. And I'll let you guys know, I think uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, how I liked the movie. So, all right, let's get into this episode of Silver Spoons. Mrs. Stratton? Yeah. Are you Edward Stratton III? That's me. 
dressed up like a tiger she's got a tiger head like one of those like kinds that you would find like in a this is really even fancy for a party store it almost looks like I don't want to say it um but clearly that's got to be Kate because she takes a hat off her head remember when she dressed as that gorilla when um Evelyn, Ricky's mother, came over, and Edward originally came out dressed as that gorilla, but then he's, he sees that it's Evelyn. He goes into the library where Kate is and says, Kate, please put on this gorilla suit. I don't want my wife to think that I parade around the house in a gorilla suit. So Kate does that, comes up with her briefcase, and <laughs> grabs her coat and hat puts it on top of her head while she's dressed as a gorilla. So that's why I think, okay, she's got to be the tiger. And then Edward comes in. This has got to be Edward. Or, yeah, it's got to be Edward. Why is he missing pants? Did some kid, like, try to, like, hey, I'm going to see if the bald eagle has, has no pants or whatever. Um, He's got a briefcase. And clearly, well, maybe he's wearing, like, tights or something underneath. That could be... Those are so realistic looking. They are, I'm taking a picture of it. Okay, so maybe he's just wearing tights as part of the uniform. I noticed that Kate, when she came in, she was walking like, you know, she normally, like, like a woman walks. And she had a purse on her, you know, shoulder and then her hat. So yes, that is definitely Kate. These are the coolest costumes. And I see that they have Phil, who's now in the living room. He used to be in the library, but he's dressed like Howard the Duck. This sounds like a, a gala or a fundraiser that they were like, oh, oh, I know, I bet it's for, like, endangered species. Like, the bald eagle and the Siberian tiger, they're both endangered. Um, like I said, Phil looks like he's supposed to be either Howard the Duck or... I don't know. So Edward goes in as walking around with the bald eagle. Okay, those are tights. Um, and I see the bottom of his costume. He sits down holding his briefcase and he's got his head kind of leaning on his hand like he had a really rough night. What happened, guy? Is he going to talk through the eagle costume, I wonder? I guess I was wrong on both counts. It's a costume ball as Kate takes her head off and her tiger head off and says, what a lovely costume ball. Okay. I wonder if still, in a way, it could have been seen as a fundraiser to, to raise money for endangered animals. Oh, what a lovely costume ball. And Julie Eisenhower made a stunning walrus. <laughs> and I was so surprised to find out that that angry porcupine I was talking to was William F. Buckley. I'd rather not rehash the evening, Miss Summers. Quite frankly, it hurt my feelings when all those people booed me. Dexter, it was a fundraiser for endangered species. It wasn't a good move to bring an alligator briefcase. 
Well, let's just say I was wrong. For whatever reason, when I first saw the briefcase, part of me thought it could be Dexter, but then I was looking at the legs, which were tights, and I was surprised when he took his, you know, uh, the eagle head off that it was Dexter. And, of course, they booed him at the... Um, fundraiser for endangered species so I was right about that. What in the world is Edward supposed to be dressed as a, a worm? <laughs> this is Edward, right? Coming through the door because Jenkins is there to hold the door open. So Kate kind of prides herself on recognizing who the angry porcupine was and um, the other care, uh, the other animal and everyone booed Dexter because, of course, you know, he carries his briefcase wherever he goes. However, the briefcase is made out of alligator, so yeah. Oh, he's an octopus! Oh, cool! I like it! So as Edward takes his head, you know, his octopus head off, he kind of, you know, he's all thumble, thumble fingers here as it kind of hits the floor, which it's made out of, you know, soft felt and stuff, so it's not like it's going to shatter. And I love how Edward makes a joke because he's wearing an octopus costume. He's like, I don't know what's with me. I'm all thumbs. <laughs> octopus don't have thumbs. They have suckers. So Edward's pretty jovial. He, he had a great time at this fundraiser. And, of course, Dexter being Edward's financial manager financial advisor he's like well Edward you seem to have a lot of fun with your wallet open because you're just throwing money up in the sky making it rain like you really shouldn't have done that I love Edward's tie it's got a tiger on it and I think some other endangered animals so Kate explains that she and Edward just want to protect and give safe refuge to the Canadian goose and of course we hear the and it's actually Ricky on the bassoon, but Dexter's like he stands up like, oh my gosh, you're keeping them here? And it's like, uh no, that's Ricky practicing his bassoon. As we cut up to Ricky's bedroom, he's got his music stand, he's got the music sheets there, he he's sitting in a chair with his uh bassoon. Trying to practice for his recital that's coming up. And he stops for a second because he's probably got to take, uh, you know, his mouth is probably getting dry from, you know, blowing all that air into there. So you probably, yeah, you got to wet your lips and, you know, cool your, your throat down with some nice, cool water. Oh, he's gargling. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine you, your throat might be sore. I don't know. I've never played an instrument before. <laughs> Soon here for a long time. 
I think you better get some sleep. Do you see I'm getting better? Oh. Mm, no. <laughs> well. <laughs> hey. You're hedging, Dad. No, I'm not. I'm terrible, aren't I? Hey, come on, give yourself a break. You haven't been playing that long. How long's it been now? Over a year. <laughs> oh. Well. Hey. <laughs> Son, <clears throat> how about your how about your orchestra teacher? Does, does he think you're making progress? Well, Mr. Zimmerman encourages everybody. But whenever I play, he starts to twitch. <laughs> Maybe he's keeping time with the music. No, Dad. It's the twitch someone makes when they're scared of the noise. Well, maybe he's just nervous about the big concert next week. He can't be half as nervous as I am. See, tomorrow we've got audition solos, and if I don't pass, I don't get to play in the concert. I just gotta make that cut. Ah, that's why you've been practicing so much. Yeah, you said I could do anything if I set my mind to it. Right? Right. Dad, I want to be as good a musician as you are. Ha, <laughs> son. You make this old octopus proud. <sighs> I like it when you're proud of me, Dad. Good night, son. Night. Well, Rick, now don't you worry. You're going to be in that concert, and Kate and I will be there with bells on. Dad? Please don't wear bells. So Edward kind of comes upstairs like, hey, buddy, it's late. You got to get into bed and get some sleep, right? You've been practicing the bassoon all day, and we all need to kind of shut things down for the night. So Ricky mentions, of course, that he's working his, his butt off, really trying because he wants to get a spot in the orchestra because they have auditions coming up. And he asks his dad, he's like, geez, I'm terrible. I know it. And Edward, of course, he he's, he wants to be a good father. He wants to support his son. So when Ricky's like, geez, Dad, I must really suck, don't I? And, and Edward is just like, uh, <laughs> how long have you been doing this now? Not very long. And Ricky's like, Dad, I've been doing this for a year. And, I, and even I said, yeah, he's been doing it since, like, early season one. So he, my guess is... You probably, if you wanted to be good at something and maybe you weren't, maybe instead of going to, like, the music teacher at school, maybe hiring, uh, like, finding someone who actually successfully plays the bassoon and get their, you know, like, their help, their advice, and see what he can do to improve. And Ricky mentions how, you know, I, w I just want to be a good musician like you, Dad. And I don't think to this point, have we, we haven't seen, we've heard Ed, we've heard him sing. He's got a beautiful voice. Lo I love it. I, okay, so we have seen him play the guitar. That's right. He did that in the Menudo episode. He was playing the guitar he was singing. 
So Ricky just kind of wants to be successful at that, like his dad. And he's like, Dad, you always told me whatever, you know, as long as I set my mind to something, that I can do whatever I want. I can become whoever I want and be successful. And Edward says, well, Kate and I will be at your concert with bells on. So, of course, we all know this expression. Like, I'll be there with bells on. Of course, Ricky really doesn't. As he sits up, he's still got the race car bed. I think it's, what, maybe season three will probably get a regular bed in there. Because that kid, he's maybe getting a smidge taller, but eventually he's going to hit that growth spurt. And his feet are going to be sticking out of the end of that race car bed. Um, he's got a poster of, I'm not sure who the band is. Maybe it's Min. It doesn't look like it's Menudo. I don't think it is. Ricky even mentions about his uh, music teacher whenever Ricky plays the bassoon. The music teacher gets like a facial twitch where his cheek and his eyes start to kind of twitch. And Edward's like, well, that, maybe that means, like, he, he, he likes the sound you're making from the bassoon. And Ricky's like, no, Dad, that's the type of twitch someone makes when they're scared of something. <laughs> I like how even though Ricky he really hasn't improved that much, he's still sticking with it, which is good. Cause, I, mean, I don't know if beyond this he's going to be doing any type of... I know that he wants to start a band. I think that's like season three or four where he actually has to, he starts a band to get a gig and I guess the lead singer falls ill. So he's got to get up there and sing and he sings a song called talk to me and all the girls go wild for him. He's instantly popular. So maybe he moves on from playing an instrument to like being vocals or maybe he's playing the drums or something. So he's moved on. All right, we have Edward in the living room playing, not a trumpet, but what's the horn that's got the really large, um, uh, I'm going to have to ask Jeremy. Hold on. A trombone. All right. It's part of the horn family. Yep. So this must be one of the songs that Edward is, is playing on the bassoon. Usually when I see soundtracks, I automatically assume it's vocals. But that not not is not necessarily always going to be the case. Like, it'll be, oh, this song. So someone could be whistling it, like the whistle while you work. I just assumed that Kate and Edward were singing the song. No, they're whistling it. So it's any tune that is either sung or whistled or, or played on an instrument. Okay. The audience is just like, wow, he is really good. He is a man of many musical talents. He sings, he plays a guitar, plays a trombone. Kate comes in and she is clapping like that is just amazing. Like, it makes me love you that much more because you're so talented in many areas, Edward. <laughs> Hey, son, we 
been on pins and needles all day. What happened at the audition? Uh, well, Mr. Zimmerman said he's never heard anything like it. <laughs> all right. So you made the cut. You're in the concert. I'll be there. <laughs> Trombonist, bassoonist, two terrific musicians. Oh, like father, like son. What do you say, Kate? Let's go fix the best congratulations hot fudge Sunday a certain talented kid I know and love has ever had. Great idea. So, Kate and Edward kiss. Gosh, we haven't seen that in a bit. Um, I'm almost like, let's see more of their relationship. They do kiss. Good. Um... Ricky comes in and he has got a look of disappointment as in he didn't get a spot in the orchestra and it's just, it's sad. You can see the disappointment in his face, but he wants to make his dad proud. So he kind of puts on a smile, you know, a sad smile like, oh yeah, dad, sure. I mean, I'll be there. <laughs> and Kate's like, oh, a bassoonist and a trombone player such a musical family edward's like you know what son i'm so proud of you i'm gonna make you one of the best hot fudge sundays around because i love you so much and i'm so happy you got a spot in the orchestra coming um production coming up uh ricky's face just falls it's like he doesn't it's all about not wanting to disappoint his dad. Ricky's been practicing so hard. And when Edward says, well, how did um, the, the music teacher like it? And Ricky's like, oh, well, I mean, he's, he said he's never heard anything like it. So I'm definitely going to be there. <laughs> uh, oh, buddy, my heart goes out to you, Rick. I'd give you a hug. I can reach through the screen and back in time. Oh, this is so cool! It's concert in the park! It's outdoors! That's nice. I like that. That's so nice. They even got a ticket for Dexter. I bet it, well, I'm sure it's a free event. I mean, they're coming to see their kids play. So before we get to the actual concert, you know, ladies always like to look good for their men. And Kate here is no different. She's got this... She's wearing this nice blue top, and she's got this necklace, and she's like, oh, Edward, do you like my necklace? And he's like, it looks stunning on you. And then she's like, oh, good. And then she's like, hmm, do you, you're not just saying that, are you? And he's like, no, okay, no, I'm not just saying that. He just looks at her like, honey, it's stunning. I love it. I like it. It's great. But Kate here, of course, is just fishing for more compliments. Like, honey, please, tell me, tell me what you really think of it. I'm gonna play this. Because at one point she's like, you know, I could just take off the necklace. And he just looks at her and smiles. Like, yeah, fine. That's that's great. Whatever you want to do, dear. Edward, are you sure you like this necklace? It's stunning. You're not just saying that, are you? It's stunning. I could just take it off. Fine. If you didn't like it, why didn't you say so? Hey, there's Rick. Bye, Rick! Edward, 
So, yeah, she's like, I could just take the necklace off. And he's like, yeah, fine. That's whatever you want to do. <laughs> so it's like, what does she want more than it's stunning? She just wants a real response for him, I guess, is what she's fishing for. And he's like, oh, hey, there's Rick, as uh, Rick goes to sit down in the chair with his bassoon. So I'm like, okay, he didn't lie about... I, I honestly thought that he wasn't in it. But he's here at the concert, so I, I don't understand. Maybe he just, maybe he doesn't have a big part, or maybe he's just supposed to sit there to fill a space. I don't, I'm not sure. Clearly, yeah, this isn't going to go well, and it's going to be a major setback uh, emotionally for him. He's probably going to want to give it up and say, I'm not doing this anymore. This is ridiculous. I put... Over a year's worth of work, I'd made no progress. I'm just gonna put it away and move on to something else. Like the episode, it's from season three of The Simpsons, The Auto Show, where um, Bart goes to a rock concert, sees Spinal Tap, wants to become a mu musician. It's all 10 year old boys who go to concert, like, I wanna be a musician. And of course, Homer and Marge go out, get. Bart a guitar with a uh, sheet of music, you know, lessons and stuff to show him how to do that. And he's Homer's threat, of course, is like, well, you better get really good really fast or I'm going to pop you in the mouth. Um, <laughs> so you see Bart practicing and eventually it's like, I can't do it, but my bus driver Otto can do it and he plays on it really great. And at one point, Homer's like, hey, um, what's up? You don't like your guitar? And Bart just levels with his dad, like, hey, dad, look, um, I, we both know I'm not good at the guitar. Okay, I'm sorry I disappointed you. And I love Homer's response, what no parent would say this to a child is, there, there, boy, don't worry about it. You tried something, and you realized you weren't good. The... <laughs> The fact of the matter, the lesson learned here is never try. Like, oh, Homer. <laughs> so, the music teacher comes up and he tells the audience what his band of students will be performing uh, by a German composer. And we get, of course, we had uh, Edward like, hey, Rick. Now we get some other guy who's sitting directly behind Kate and Edward. He's like, hey, Jimmy! And the guy, the conductor is ready to start. Like, hold your applause, hold your shouts out to your children till the end, please. Because everyone is looking at this guy, and I'm sure Edward's like, dang, did I sound like that when I was shouting out to my kid? Well, you just waved your hand. This guy's all standing up, waving his program in the air like he's got a lighter in his hand, like, yeah! You're great, son! Like, come on. The conductor turns around. He's got his... Uh, is it a baton that he uses to conduct? Um, I'm not sure. With the, maybe that is the official term for the stick in his hand. I don't know. But he turns and looks at this guy with sheer anger flashing in his eyes. Like, do you mind? These children need to focus. <laughs> 
some parents, huh? So throughout the performance, I mean, you see Rick blowing into the instrument, but then again, you don't really hear him over the other kids. He's kind of drowned out, which more likely that probably was his intention. Or maybe his music teacher said, you can be in it, but I don't want you playing. So this doesn't seem like it was all disastrous. It's not like he was playing the bassoon and he was just making it. Unless, unless we haven't heard it yet and he has a solo, which if the music teacher isn't confident in Rick's abilities to play this instrument, he's not going to throw him on display and say, all right, have at it. I don't think that a music teacher would um, do that to a kid who's not confident in his own abilities to play the instrument. I remember um, playing the recorder in fifth grade and we had the D.A.R.E. concert and I think I was just blow not even, I was mimicking blowing into the recorder, but I wasn't actually blowing into it. Okay, so this is after the concert, and the parents are all kind of hanging around. We got overly excited, enthusiastic parent. Is this his kid, Jimmy, with the uh, blonde fro? So Jimmy's father is just absolutely enthralled with his son. Like, oh my gosh, son, come here. Let me introduce you to this man, like, so I can brag about you. And this kid, I like this kid's got a nice complexion. He's got a head of tightly blonde curls. Just adorable looking. And I I mean, I, I violin players if I were a teenager. I would rather date, like... I mean, if I were into music... My, my type of musician would be a violinist or a piano player. Or a pianist, I guess they're called. Of course, here comes Ricky, and I'm sure Edward's going to take the time to bring in his son and brag to the heavens about how great his son is. I'm kind of impressed by this extremely handsome bassoonist here. Any chance that kid's your son? Could be. <laughs> Ricky, you sounded wonderful. Thanks, Kate. Richard? Based on your performance so far this evening, I believe the day will come when you will take your place among the world's greatest bassoonists. Come on, Dexter. Yes. Men like Frudenheimer, Boosterberg, and the greatest of them all, Ip. <laughs> Son, excuse us, man. You all right? You, you need some chapstick? Fine, Dad. Look, I got to go on. Intermission's almost over. Son, I gotta tell you, I'm busting with pride. You've worked harder than anybody I've ever seen, and it shows. That whole orchestra was playing, but I'm only hearing you. Dad? Yeah? I wasn't playing. So Kate and Dexter also come over to congratulate Ricky on his playing, just saying that was absolutely stupendous. And Ricky's like, yeah, great, thanks. You, you don't need to say anything else. <laughs> uh, 
Edward, of course, is like, oh, son, do you, what's wrong? Do you, Edward keys in that, you know, Ricky's not enthused about being told that he's an amazing bassoonist. Like, oh, son, what's wrong? Do you need chapstick? And... And, and Edward's, or Ricky's like, no, Dad, I don't need any chapstick. And Ed, Edward's like, you know, uh, the whole orchestra was playing, but I only heard you. And this is where, and this is really hard for Ricky because his dad just praised him saying, I'm very happy with how you worked so hard to get to where you are. You struggled for a bit, but you overcame it. And this is hard for Ricky as his voice kind of cracks a little, admitting, like, Dad, I wasn't playing. And that's the thing. I didn't think he was either. I knew. Like, no, he's making the blowing motions into the the reed, the mouthpiece, but nothing's coming out. Because if it had, you would have heard it. So I kind of wonder, is that, like, based on his music teacher's advice, like, you can be in the orchestra, but I do not want to hear you. Where's Derek? I thought we were getting Derek. Does he come later? So, at that point, when Ricky says I wasn't playing, we cut to commercial, we come back, and it looks like... Edward's got a hand on Ricky's shoulder. He's like, son, tell me what's going on. I get the feeling we're gonna get a, I've never been more disappointed in you, or why didn't you say something... I get the feeling that we're going to get that from Edward. I, do. I don't think we've gotten a I'm very disappointed in you, son, so far in the show. But why do I feel like we're on the edge of that? Like that is coming out of his mouth soon. Let's find out. I don't understand. It looked like you were playing. I was just pretending. You see, when I auditioned for Mr. Zimmerman, I was awful. The truth is, I didn't make the cut. And when he saw how much being here meant to me, he said I could sit in the orchestra as long as I didn't play. Well, places, everyone. Places. I gotta go, Dad. Intermission's almost over. Sorry. Playing isn't everything. I'm very disappointed in you, which is probably just as well. Um, I don't think this situation really calls for something in that regard. Ricky hasn't done anything to the point of where Edward would really be disappointed like in him in any way. Um, and I was right. Did I call that or did I not? That the, or, you know, Ricky wanted to be there so bad that the, um, his music teacher said, you can sit in the orchestra, but like I said, you're not going to play. I don't want to hear you. Just move your mouth on the mouthpiece as if you're playing, giving the illusion to the audience that you're playing an instrument. And and Edward at first, when Ricky drops that bomb, Edward's like, wow, I could have sworn I, I I heard you. You, that you weren't playing? I mean, I sounded like you were. And then Edward thinks some miracle must have happened to go from sounding terrible to sounding absolutely amazing in, like, a 24-hour period. But Ricky admits when he auditioned, he sounded probably the worst he's ever sounded. 
And that, that hurts, you know, because Ricky, I can see at this point he wants to give up. But they're at the admission or intermission point at right now. So Ricky goes to sit down in his seat. Edward comes over to him and says, son, playing isn't everything. And Ricky's like, dad, my music teacher's like right behind you. You got to sit down. And of course, the music teacher says, sir, you need to sit down. We're going to start. Sergei Prokofia composed Peter and the Wolf. Really? Oh. Okay, here we get Derek Taylor. Okay, I'm going to play this. So he's narrating the story as it's being performed by the musicians. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Derek's going to mess this up. This is Derek. Or will he? Maybe he he just wants that praise from everyone that, you know, he's not going to be like, oh, mess it up. No, he's not going to do it. I don't think he will. He wrote his own weird version of Peter and the Wolf, but I don't think so. Derek likes to create this illusion where he's this pristine kid that just wants to be looked upon like, I'm just a perfect little angel. was written by a Ruski.
Derek Taylor, I gotta say, he is, he cleans up good for uh, a young boy in a suit. He looks very, very sharp. And of course, Derek is gonna do the narration for the Peter and the Wolf story part of it. So, of course, Derek's gotta make some little jokes there about what the Soviet Union in a little place he likes to call America. And, um... He also likes to ad-lib in the story of Peter and the Wolf. So that's kind of funny. Um, Ricky does decide to participate, and of course you hear what sounds like a duck being choked. It's really, it's not good. Ricky only does this for a minute. He stops, stands up, and he chokes up. I'm sorry. And he runs off with that bassoon because it's still attached the cord is still attached around his neck, connecting the instrument to him. And he, he runs off. Edward runs off after him. Ricky's still running as he comes into his room. I'm like, did he run all the way home? Was that park near their house? So Ricky comes into his room. He already has detached the bassoon from his cord. Puts it on the- I swear, I thought he was gonna slam it down on that table and, like, start hit it, like, hitting the table with it, like, oh, this is your fault. No, he places it on the table and jumps into his race car bed, putting a pillow over his head because he's like, I'm shutting myself off from the world. I'm very upset and depressed. <laughs> Are you? Sonny, okay? I want to be alone. Son, let's examine what happened tonight. Think about it, analyze it, learn from it, okay? On the other hand, why dwell on <laughs> I know you're feeling some very intense emotions right now. It might be better if we could talk about it. So why don't you tell me exactly how you feel? Well, you know how there's a small section of your brain whose whole job is just to feel humiliation? Yeah, the humiliation lobe. <laughs> well, I feel like my humiliation lobe swelled up so much that it busted. <laughs> it spurted humiliation all over the inside of my skull. <laughs> That's... Ooh. I don't know why I did it! Yes, I do. Because <laughs> I feel like a phony during intermission. And everybody was saying how great I sounded. So then when the park came up with the bassoonist plays the grandfather's theme, I just... I just had to try and play it. Besides, there was a part of me that said, Hey, kid, 
You could get lucky. Well, look at it this way. You didn't. Why can't I play that thing? You know what's happening here? This is the first time you've ever really, really poured yourself into something, worked as hard as you could, and you weren't able to pull it off. But why couldn't I? You said I could accomplish anything I set my mind to. Well, that's true most of the time. But the plain truth is, Rick, that sometimes you can give 150% to something and still not achieve your goal. It happens. I don't understand, Dad. I mean, you're a good musician. You play the guitar, the trombone. How come I didn't inherit your music genes? Then I was rooked. <laughs> so nobody's good at everything. Lots of things you do better than me. Like what? Like football. You're the star halfback of the team, aren't you? You've scored the second highest number of points ever in one season. In football. There's never been well, on this show. After last week, um, now the highest point score. Well, why didn't you tell me? I know why. You told the audience. We want to know. You didn't want to blow your own horn. Well, you heard what it sounds like when I do. <laughs> Well, or something I've never told you. When I was your age, I was kicked off the football team. You were? Yeah. I was fourth-string quarterback. I never even got to play until the final quarter of the homecoming game. We were ahead 10-7 to with only 30 seconds to go. I only got in then because the three guys ahead of me were injured. <laughs> Coach Mumble turned to me and said, Stratton! Damn it, we're down to you. I'm sending you in. God help us. All you have to do is fall on the ball. Just fall on it, boy. But I took the snap from center. And I saw that Bobby Snoblowski was wide open. And I lofted up a beautiful pass right into the hands of their defensive back. <laughs> Who ran the ball into our end zone and scored the winning touchdown. Dad, that's awful. Coach Rumble yell at you? Yeah. But even worse, the other team awarded me the game ball. <laughs> didn't I just fall on the ball? Come on, Dad, don't be so rough on yourself. It could have happened to anyone. After all, nobody's perfect. <laughs> Including me. Right? Right. So, Edward chases after Rick, and they ran up the stairs, because by the time Edward gets up there, he's like, Rick! 
Are you under that pillow? <laughs> and Ricky pulls his head out from underneath his pillow. He's like, I want to be alone. Which, he's upset. Of course he wants to be alone. He's angry. He's hurt. He's embarrassed. So Edward sits down on the edge of Ricky's race car bed as he's loosening his tie because of course he's going to go into dad lecture mode now. So Edward's like, all right, son, let's think about what happened tonight. Let's analyze it and, and everything. And Ricky pops his head out from underneath his pillow looking at him like, dad, really? You think that's what I want to do? I want to just lay here and sulk. But good old dad is not going to let that happen. Like, let's examine this from all sides, son. So Edward's like, son, I know you're feeling some really intense emotions right now, but you need to let this out. Let's both talk about this. And Ricky mentions about how, like, that part of you that gets embarrassed and is humiliated, that part of your brain, it feels like it just enlarged and then exploded all uh, over my left cranium. So Ricky gives this kind of semi-disturbing, icky view of <laughs> what, what he's thinking. Like, this is what happens when this explodes and goes all over the left side of my head. And I gotta hand it to Ricky Schroeder, man. He, you know this boy can pull off these dramatic scenes. He's upset. His lips are trembling. He's been crying. He pulls off dramatic. I mean, you if you've seen him in that movie, The Champ, with John Boyett, where he plays the son of a boxer... I haven't seen it, but my dad and mom went and saw that movie a long time ago, like, at the drive-in when they were, like, teenagers. And he's just, he's upset. He's embarrassed. He he felt bad because the way that his dad and Kate and Dexter were all praising him, like, you played magnificently. And he wanted a chance to try and just be included in the orchestra after the so when they did Peter and the Wolf, the part where the grandfather comes out and tells Peter to stay inside the gate because there's a wolf out there. So Ricky tried it. Of course he was terrible. He played a couple notes and everyone looked at him in shock. The the kid the blonde haired kid next to him was playing the bassoon, just looked at him like What I thought you weren't. You haven't been playing like at all. I've been sitting right next to you. Why all of a sudden do you feel the need to play? Like you're just really, really bad. And Ricky leaves. You know. I mean, that's that's embarrassing. It's almost like, like say you're in a play and you forget your lines, even though you've been studying them and studying them and doing rehearsals and everything. But the day of, your family and friends are all there. Your schoolmates are there. And you flub your line. Some people can easily recover. Some other people, it's absolutely horrifying and detrimental to their self-esteem. So Ricky, in frustration, using his fist, pounds him against his pillows. Like, why can't I play that thing? Like, it's been a year. I should have improved by now. And Edward's like, I don't know, son. You just sometimes... You just keep trying and you put forth so much effort and you just still can't come out on top. And Ricky kind of looks at his dad and is like, why didn't I inherit the musical gene from you? I mean, you play the guitar, you play the trombone. Like, uh, I was rooked. I, <laughs> like, maybe his mom isn't good at... Uh, when would his mother ever play any instruments? If she ever played an instrument, it was probably the cello or the 
the violin or the piano, something to that effect. She would never go for the guitar or the bass. Even the bassoon or the trombone would be a bit much. Because Evelyn comes from money. And I love how Edward kind of puts his hand on Ricky's head, just kind of stroking his hair. And then he puts his, moves his hand to Ricky's back and just stroking his back. Like, you see what's happening here, son, is this is the first time you've ever really tried your hardest and failed at something. And as you probably heard in the clip, I muttered, when have we ever heard Ricky playing any sports. We've never gotten any information about him playing any sports. And he's apparently playing football. Ricky's character does not seem to me the type that would really be into sports. I think later in season two, this season, supposedly he's on a softball or a baseball team or a t-ball team or a... Well, he would probably be in Little League. But even still, it's like, Ricky does not come off to me as the type of kid that would be interested in sports. But maybe they're trying to stretch this character out, giving him more um, facets. You know, he's interested in, like, well, not so much science, maybe a smidge, but he's into uh, computers, video games, and, and, you know, trying to be a musician in sorts. But sports just, he doesn't, he seems the intellectual type. Now, I'm not saying that just because you're an intellectual, you can't play sports. You can, but it just seems like those two things are so widely spread, widely divided that, I mean, my only example for that would be the movie Varsity Blues. Um, James Vanderbeek played this character, John Moxton, or Moxon who was an intellectual. He had gotten into the college Brown, but he also played sports. But he did it because more it was a pastime than anything that he felt he was never going to have a real career outside of that. He wanted to get into college based on his grades, which he did. He was not looking to make how many kids that play high school football look to going on to co- to play for a college or to try to get in the NFL? I'd say that percentage is very, very low. So I like that they are adding a little depth to Ricky. But, I, I mean, the fact that he played, like, halfback, which I'm not sure what that position is in football. I really, I'm not sure what it is. But, um... It's just that he's widely spread here with his interests. There's nothing, like I said, there's nothing wrong with this. It's just, I really wish they could have given us indication prior to, and either whether it's the first season or, I mean, this is almost the halfway point of season two. This is episode nine. This would have been an interesting thing to see, as in just, absolutely throwing it out here in a conversation. Oh, remember when you played football? Like, and I'm like, when did that happen? But I like Edward's wording here. He just says, you really, you poured yourself into something, you gave it your all, and it's the first time that something didn't pay off for you in the end. And that's going to be depressing and so detrimental to your self-esteem that you put your all your everything into 
what you're do a specific talent that you want to see evolve and it's just you're not getting anywhere with it that would make anybody anybody his age if they didn't have that drive that push to keep going probably would have given up I'd say within three to six months. He stuck it out for a year. And I applaud him for that. I like how Edward says, you can give 150% to something and still not achieve your goal. Which is true, you can. The whole point of putting work into something is to achieve a goal. To be rewarded for your labor. So Edward recalls the story. Apparently he played football when he was around Ricky's age. But he was like, what do you say, fourth string? So there are like three other quarterbacks for this team. He was like the backup of the backup's backup quarterback. And these three quarterbacks were injured. And all Edward had to do was fall on the ball. That's it. But Edward wanted to probably impress this coach like hey I see that guy open I'm gonna throw it to this guy who's got great hands boom intercepted by the uh, opposing team they get the winning goal the winning what have you and the game's over and I'm surprised yeah Ricky or not Ricky um Edward was probably cut from the team like okay you know I gave you the shot simplest thing that I felt that you could do and you didn't do it you chose to do the opposite of what I told you I would have cut him. <laughs> I like don't bother trying out next season because I'm not. You can't follow simple direction. It's not about impressing people and trying like oh maybe if I do this, this will happen and I'll look really good. No, and I guess kind of the kick into the teeth there at the end of Edward's story is that the opposing team gave Edward the winning ball. As in, <laughs> oh, your mistake cost you the game, and we got it. Here's the winning, here's the ball. You can have it <laughs> for your mistake. So, Edward, of course, is beating himself up for making a foul mistake. Ricky, of course, the roles reverse. Now, Ricky is the one that's giving Edward the advice. And it's just kind of funny, like, Dad, don't beat yourself up about this. You made a mistake, or something like that. You can't just let this, you can't dwell on this. And I love how Edward just kind of looks at Ricky with a slight smile, like, see? Any point of see? You take your own advice. And they hug, and it's so sweet. And that there, after that talk, after that hug, that's the episode. The credits come up, but, you know, it really must depend on the episode. Like, maybe they were running short on, or they were running a little short, and then they add that scene. I think that's got to be how it goes. So they must have been running right on time, because, boom, the credits come up. I thought there was going to be an extra scene in there, but there wasn't. So I'm going to give this one a 4 out of 5 trains. That's my rating for this one. I really like the beginning with, you know, I got I got tricked. I thought that was Edward in the eagle suit. But I like their costumes were so amazingly beautiful. And so real looking. I like the fact that Ricky was so dedicated that he'd been practicing his bassoon for a year. And... 
him wanting to try to attempt Peter and the wolf, but he ended up getting humiliated. I also love the talk between Edward and Ricky, where Ricky in turn is giving Edward the advice that he really should be giving himself. And then, um, I gotta say, Derek, definitely, with that little ad lib there when Peter and the Wolf and just him, hey, let's give a round of applause for the conductor. Let's give a round of applause for the band. So, uh, I just thought, you know, we just got him there for a quick sec and he was out. Um, as far as for the silver spoonful for this one, I'm gonna say... You know, something might be hard at first, but do not give up on it. Give it your all like Ricky did. You don't necessarily have to give it a year. I'd say give it three to six months. If you're trying something, it's not working for you, whether you're trying to learn how to play an instrument or you're trying to master a video game that's difficult or... Um, you're trying to read a book and you can't get into it. Put it down. Come back to it later. This just shows you that perseverance. It, it pays to persevere and work with something that's hard. And sometimes we realize that maybe our hard work doesn't pay off. Maybe in the end we just we try and we realize we're just... That, but you gave it your all, you can move on. You can move forward onto something else. And there's no shame in saying, I tried, not so much failed, but I'm going to set this aside and move on to something else. Alright, let's talk about the next episode I'm going to be covering this week. Season 2, episode 10, entitled Rick the Greek. Rick writes a computer program. Okay, he's getting back into the computer game. I like it. A computer program to predict football scores, making bets along with his friends Rick. Uh, mm. But when he ends up indebted to a bookie, he's 13, sir. He steals a rare coin from his father's collection. So this episode's got a 7.9 out of 10. And when was it released? January 7th, 1984. This is the first episode of 84, everybody. So that being said, everyone have a wonderful Sunday afternoon. I'm going to go see Dumbo, and I will let you know on Tuesday what I thought of the movie. I think I'm going to like it. I think it's going to be great. So bye-bye, everybody.